This episode is sponsored by Overcast, a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now. Unless it's Overcast. Get Overcast for free on the App Store. Yeah, it's Unji. It's a solo this week. Peter is abroad, out there, in the wilderness, writing, enjoying, and taking in all of the fruits of his labor, his success. And I, folks, continue to be incredibly chilly in a basement, in a garden unit that does not have a working HVAC unit. I have continued to explore opportunities in the HVAC industry. As a person of color, I am uh, receiving brochures. I have spoken to some people. I'm exploring my career opportunities and the various paths that I may wind up taking. Um, Because, you know, sometimes you feel good and sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. And that's where I am this week. I um, had already recorded a solo episode. I do need you to know that. And um, recorded over it. And that's on me. And that's where I am in my own journey with my... Okay, so (laughs) I do have to say, this whole thing about um, having an Android phone and then being a symptom. There are so many things in my life that I'm realizing may be symptoms. Um, Also, really wish that Peter could have been here this week while we kind of processed uh, the slap heard around the world so that we could have uh, processed it together as, um, as the internet then spiraled and the world did um, as we speculated about these two um, incredibly famous people at an incredibly high-profile event uh, have an altercation. You know, have what you say what you will about what happened. Um, it is pretty incredible that it doesn't matter what you do or who you are. It is crazy to be slapped at work. I have worked in many call centers. I have also worked at a place that was a, uh, a, it was like a temporary job assignment for men that were in a halfway house. So in between jail and being sent out into uh, society, they would go to this halfway house and work at the call center I worked at. Even there, getting slapped would have been wild. That same job is where a man went around because there were, it was like it was a very strange situation when I think back on it, because it was full of felons, convicted uh, felons, because they were in the prison, they were, it was in the jail where they had been in prison, were in this halfway home to be released into society. So it was half. Uh, felons, half criminals. Well, I mean, they had served their time, but they had uh, felonies on their record, right? 
and half girls in high school. Crazy mix. And this guy outside during our smoke break, you know, because if you've ever worked at a call center, you know, everyone goes outside for a smoke break. And this man went around and pointed to each girl and said something that he thought was hot about them. And he went to each girl in high school. This man was clearly in his late 30s or early 30s, depending on the kind of life he may or may not have lived. I never got into it with him. He went and addressed to each woman what he thought was hot about them. So he went up to first lady, the first girl in high school and said, You've got good tits. Next girl, great legs, good ass, good hair, nice skin. And he got to me and he said, good teeth. And that's something that I've held on to since. That's like, it's a bizarre thing where I have this confidence about my teeth. You know, it's not made me treat them better. I don't floss regularly. I don't even use my Invisalign. But it is something that I have confidence about, you know? And that's also a symptom. You know, like, that's the thing that I'm confident about, and I can't even fucking be bothered to floss? Girl, you're 40. What are you afraid of? Having your teeth be too beautiful? Your teeth be too good? I think it's a saying that your teeth are the best friends you have. You know, that the teeth give you what you give to it. You know, it's um, a beautiful symbiotic relationship. But I can't be bothered. I can't even give myself that. Right? Like, I'm telling you, the sort of existential spiral that I fall into every time I start my day with the idea that I will be going to the Apple Store today, I will be getting the tools available to me. I will be getting the, I will be getting the best tools available to me to help fulfill, to help my career so that I could record my sets and listen to them, so that I could film videos, I could film auditions, so I could write notes, so I could contact friends. I mean, my life would be immeasurably better, easier, And I can't do it. I spiral. And it's that, uh, it's not that, it's, there's something about being an Android person that is beyond just being Android nation. I, you know, have this beef with Apple and, 
you know, most people in the world are, are Android users. You know, it's only in this fucking industry and in this fucking uh, country that Apple has the stranglehold in this way. But aside from that, when I really examine why I can't go, why I can't go iPhone, why I can't abandon Droid Nation, if I examine really why I can't abandon Droid life, there's a part of it that is certainly rooted in self-hate. There's certainly some of it that is rooted in, I don't deserve an iPhone. What do you do, bitch? You, you're doing iPhone stuff? You make enough money to afford an iPhone? You got iPhone success? Are you iPhone worthy? And the answer to that, of course, is no. You know, I don't, I don't deserve an iPhone. I'm, 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 dro I'm droid talented. I'm droid interesting. I'm droid level funny. But that's because I've already applied the sort of I've applied that metric. I've applied that morality. I've applied the good and bad. The, I've, I've assigned that. So is society. I like droids. Intuitive. Google. Like, I mean, it's sharing capacity between droids. I got a couple of droid heads in my crew. And we enjoy representing in a wide variety of um, places and social situations where we are usually widely ridiculed. But yeah, I've been spiraling about it. And, you know, there's a part of me that is like kind of worries what happens if I, what if I move away from my droid roots and forget who I am? And it's like I'm experiencing, I mean, even this small step towards that I'm this afraid. I mean, this is like toddler shit. Like, this is not even a big step. It's like, this is just a, this is one small step, step for Unji, one tiny step, one basic task for everyone else. You know, like I'm allowing it to loom large. But yeah, this like sort of self-worth shit. You know, I, and it, and it like kind of, the self-worth stuff has been kind of rankling in my mind this entire week, honestly. Because, you know, it, it was funny because someone was kind of like talking to me about my self-esteem, was a little surprised that I didn't, you know, had, wasn't kinder to myself. She was like, wait, you don't think you're a good mom? I don't know anyone that thinks they're a good mom. I mean, like, that really things are bringing it. And, you know, I realize that in our culture, in this current moment in our culture, moms are either moms who whine no clock and hate their fucking kids and drag them to filth. Like that mom. I would say that as a genre, I probably am in that area. There's those moms 
moms that are like, oh, I can't wait to get fucking drunk because I hate my kids. You know, uh, aren't they fucking idiots? Those moms. And then there's the moms who cut up all the vegetables so nothing is scratchy. You know, the ladies who bento box. The moms who color coordinate and have bins for every toy. And I don't know, what about the moms that just are like struggling? You know what I mean? Like kind of in the mishmash, like we don't have enough bins. And we're not looking to get fucked up at the end of every day. You know, like just ladies who are in the middle. And I think that's sort of where... You know, even going back to the slap, it's just like this. There's like nuance. People's lives are never completely this or that. Or tit forth tat. You know? They're just kind of in the gravy. You know, most lives are the gravy in between the biscuits. You know? Does that feel like a good phrase? I'm not going to write that down. But yeah, like, I mean, I've just been thinking about, like, what does that, what, what is, what, as a, even as a mom, you know what I was, what's even crazier is that as I was, because, um, you know, my therapist is continually mentioning this Android thing as a symptom of my mental illness, which is fine. By the way, my, my therapist, you guys all know, is a very nice white lady. And I do need a meaner version. Like a mean Asian lady, of course. You know, I guess I could, I guess I could call my mom, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what I really want is a, a stranger who only knows my side of the story. That is actually what I'm looking for in a therapist. But yeah, I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where finding this like medium between you know just like the mom thing just like with the droid like is it actually that big a deal is it a symptom you know by the way any of you guys listening have any of you realized that your parent like, one of my white friends was telling me that her mom had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And what, you know what was crazy? I was, I was like, oh my God, it's crazy that you know why your mom is a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's a privilege. To be able to, that there's a DSM-4 assessment for your childhood. Like that, that, that there's an answer. You know, that you're not awash in mystery. Because your parents were just crazy. Mean to you, you know? But yeah, I've been just, been trying to figure out ways to be true to myself as a 
I don't know. It's not like I'm a hater, but I am also not like someone that's just going to be crystal hippie dippy levels of self-love, right? There's just, I think there's this inherent, like, do I just need to forfeit that? Is that what, have I talked about this on every single soul app? <laughs> I mean, truly, like, I think it's getting to a point where push and shove and hugs, you know, are all kind of colliding into this moment for myself. You know, because there are certain ideological things that I just can't fuck with, okay? There's a, this is what I really am getting to about the self-love and kindness and gentleness and it's all such good, beautiful things that we as Asian Americans, as Americans, should start to foster and embrace because so many of us have processed so much trauma in unhealthy ways and we're all just trying to cope. I get it. But my, I will not live. Okay, so I get that. I do not hit my son. I, I will never hit my son. I never belittle him. I'm not trying to make him be insecure. But I will not live with a brat. Okay? I will not suffer any fools. And I'm not trying to bring another dumb man into our society, into our culture. I don't think that's not, that's not why I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to, anyways, um, you know, my son very recently fucked around and now he's finding out. It's like, it was, it, it was a level of discipline. It's the most tough I've ever been with him. I'm not going to go into the details, but just know that the, that the children of Ukraine are receiving a lot of toys. And this sort of has called up a lot of feelings about my own upbringing, about my own attitudes, about what I am worth. It's complicated. I don't know. I'm not really, you know, if Peter was here, probably tell me something that would make me go, oh, fuck. But now it's just me and I'm toxic. I'm toxic. And I'm toxicing it up. But it is this like very nuanced dance around love, accountability, right? Like that you have to. I mean, as a person who is based, who has raised a part of themselves by themselves, right? I'm at a loss here. I'm at really at a loss. Because I, I know for a fact he doesn't, my son does not feel unloved. He does not feel unsafe, right? And that's my problem. 
that I think that's like, well, this motherfucker has it great. But again, I do not, I will not live with a brat. Uh-uh. No. You know, like, where does kindness for myself and lack of accountability, like, what's that, what's that horizon? Where is that? What's that point in the horizon? You know? And as I process it, as I work through it, I'm realizing that there just needs to be I don't know. I mean, sometimes I'm really get. I would say the ratio right now between accountability and self-love, right? I hold myself accountable 70% of the time. Love myself about 20% of the time. And I'm just a chaotic mess the next, the other 10. <laughs> I guess we just want to swap that, swap that around. Let's keep this chaotic mess at the 10. Right? There's just no way. I mean, maybe it could just be five. I don't know. But let's have it be 70, you know, 70% love. How about this? 45% love. 55, 50%. 50% accountability, 5% chaos. Does that sound like a good ratio? I just worked that out here. Let me know. Thank you, guys. I'll be right back. All right, we're back with uh, kick-ass Korean, Kia! And my kick-ass Korean this week is Eric Kim, New York Times staff writer, just came out with a fucking book called Korean American, Food That Tastes Like Home. And I was reading uh, one of the essays, and it's truly, we talked about it a lot on this podcast, and I don't know any immigrant that doesn't process so much of their home life and their own experience in America through food. Like it is such a liminal way through which we share culture between generations. If you can't share language, you share food. It is been wonderful because he grew up in Atlanta and just like watching these like seeing these recipes as he's like kind of worked on it in the new york times cooking if you subscribe let me tell you it's fucking i will just say this new york times you got to get your shit together like all these things are there are too many subscriptions and you're killing me anyways it's been really it's been beautiful to watch him Figure, uh, figure out recipes and also share them on the New York Times cooking website inside of uh, newsletters and the conversation that he has around food and sharing and what um, that is that appropriation does not mean is like as, as appreciation. 
first first and foremost. And also, it's just great to see gochujang, gochugaru, like all these things used in different contexts and mixed with American food. I mean, I grew up with a Polish uncle who was an immigrant and we had stuffed cabbage with kimchi. Like that's, it was, that was always a part of my American Thanksgiving. And so seeing these sort of thoughtful recipes laid out beautifully, honey, that's why Erkim, this book specifically, my could guess Korean this week. Thanks guys. Bye. Audio.